called Nehemiah, and it's based on the book of Nehemiah. And um, this this was uh, takes place in 600 BC, and um, it's all about the idea. So the the Jews were captured in three separate waves of the Babylonians. They came and they grabbed uh, the elite of the Jews and brought them to Babylon, and then um, they. Uh, the Babylonians were taken over by the Persians, and that's where we catch Nehemiah. He is a cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. And uh, if you uh, have missed the first two sermons, they're actually kind of important because they're all building on each other, and uh, especially the first sermon. The first sermon talks about our circle of influence and our circle of concern. We're going to touch on that again this morning, and if you missed that, or if you disagree with me, you will disagree with me for the entire series <laughs> because it's all based on handling your own vision from God and not worrying about what else is going on in the world, what else is going on uh, in the things that you cannot influence. And so that's uh, what we've been talking about. Um, we have, um, thank you, they're right there on my, yeah, thanks, sorry, my bad. My bad. Thank you. Uh, and so wh where we are now, uh, Nehemiah was told by some Jews uh, that had come back from Jerusalem that the city is in ruins. The walls are torn down. The temple is uh, a mess. They can't do sacrifices. They can't. Uh, basically, their culture, their very existence, this idea, the Jewish culture is that um, Yahweh would be their uh, God, and they would be Yahweh's people. And they had no way to express that in the way that God had designed. And this broke Nehemiah's heart. And so what we talked about was the idea that uh, your heart might be broken over some things. And uh, it, 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 depending on what they are, some things might be out of your context. In other words, we have a news, uh, you know, industry that is supposed to outrage you every two days. So you get outraged, you get all upset over this thing, and two days later, it's off on to the next thing. There's a school shooting, we need gun control, this is an outrage, or whatever, next day, a train tips over with toxic chemicals in it, whatever. And, and it's, just, it's just one thing after another after another. And so you might get outraged or upset or whatever, and that lasts a little bit, and then it's off. But sometimes... Something kind of causes you to ache. And that, most likely, is a vision that your Heavenly Father has for you. And so it might be for your children. Uh, it might be for your family. It might be for the people in your office. It might be for your neighbors. It might be for your church community. That there's something that just won't go away. It might be for you personally, it might be something that all of a sudden you wake up in the morning and you go, you know what, I have to get my finances in order. And that, that doesn't go away. And all of a sudden you begin to make these changes. Or maybe it's your health. Maybe, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a new grandfather. And uh, it is weird when all of a sudden a grandbaby comes in. And of those of you I know who are grandparents, it, it's just weird. It's all of a sudden you start thinking to yourself, like, I got to be around for this kid, you know. And you, you're, everything changes, right? Or maybe you get married and all of a sudden now you've got uh, a vision for uh, your marriage, 
maybe for the first time, and those of you who are here or you're watching online, or maybe someone shared this sermon uh, with you, and for the first time in your life, you say, you know what, I have a vision for my relationship with Jesus. I'm going to start taking this seriously. I'm going to take him at his word by applying the word to my life. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. And before we get into the scripture, I'm just telling you right now, this is the whole point of the sermon. I don't even have it written down because it'll be so clear. When you have a vision from God, it will be resisted. You will come into conflicts. It will be challenged. It will be um, sometimes even ignored. It might be challenged by Satan himself. It might be challenged by your flesh. It might be challenged by those who are sur- you're surrounded by that are insecure and they don't like you making these changes in your life. You might have a vision for your sexuality and that goes against culture. And you might say, you know what, I'm taking a stand here and those around you might be intimidated by that, might be offended by that, might be, um, uh, uh, ha- have issues with that. You might have uh, a challenge, a vision for your life where you all realize that there's a substance in your life that needs to be removed, but that's your whole culture. That's the parties you go to and the friends you hang out with and the, the people you joke around with and that might be really into your personal culture and you say, you know what, I'm going to take a stand here. It will be challenged. There is no vision from God that will not be challenged. Because his ways are higher than our ways. And his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So for a lot of people, including your own flesh, it might not make sense. So where we caught Nehemiah is he heard this, uh, uh, this thing about Jerusalem. And for four months, he prayed and he fasted and he said something needs to be done. And he wept. And then last week, we talked about he went to King Artaxerxes, and he was sad in front of the king, which we talked about as a no-no that is frowned upon in the cupbearer industry. You do not do that. That's cupbearer 101. Make sure you're happy when you're around the king, and don't let him die from the glass of wine, okay? That's a, those are your two jobs, right? Make sure you protect the king, his little emotional state, and his health, right? And so he was, and God did this miracle, And King Artaxerxes, next to his wife, the queen, said, what is it that you want? We talked about the importance last week of why it's so important in your vision, when you have a vision from God, to go through the process of what is it that you really want to accomplish? What is it that you need? If it's your marriage, what is it that needs to change? Do you need a date night? Uh, Do you need to remove something away from the house? Do you need to maybe not have the friends that you had in the past? Like, what, what is it? If you have... A vision for your children. Is it that we are going to um, make sure that um, this isn't going to enter our house or you make these, these boundaries? So much of you accomplishing the vision you have has to do with boundaries, not determination. It's your systems that you have in place. And so this is where we catch Nehemiah. Nehemiah goes to the king and says, I want to be, (laughs) it's so awesome. Artaxerxes is like, what do you want? And he's like, this is how long it's going to take. I need to be governor. I need letters to the other governors so that when I travel through their land, they don't shoot me with arrows. 
and uh, I need a letter to uh, the, the guy who runs the king's forest because I'm going to need lumber. And that's where we catch him. And then what he does is he goes, and this is so important when it comes to our vision, he goes to Jerusalem and he doesn't tell anybody anything. He just spends some time assessing the problem. He just goes from gate to gate to gate and he looks at it and he goes, wow, this is going to be a big deal. And that's where we catch him, okay? So we're in Nehemiah chapter 2. We're going to go through uh, three chapters today. Chapter 2, chapter 3, and chapter 4. Um, but don't worry, it's, it'll only take like two and a half hours, and then we'll be out of here. Okay. So then I said to them, these are the people in uh, Jerusalem, See, you see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. Your vision for your life will almost always, matter of fact, I, I could feel very confident saying it will always include those around you. Either your life changes and that has an impact on them or you will need them in order to achieve the vision that God has for you. Lisa and I have an incredible marriage but it's not just the two of us. It's friends around us. It's the community around us. It's this church praying for us. We need it. So he says, uh, come let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be a disgrace. And then he says this, I also told them about the gracious hand of, uh, of my God upon me and what the king had said to me. And so here's what they say. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began his uh, this good work. And so they started. And that is like every vision I've ever had. It's fun to start. It's encouraging to start. It's uh, inspiring to start. Have you ever, uh, uh, Gary was talking about Weight Watchers and how donut holes have zero calories, which I just, I'm shocked, but I'm happy to uh, just follow the science, guys. If Gary says it, it's true. And so, uh, right? And so, so that might be you. You step on a scale one day and you look down and you go, this is not going to continue. And you begin your diet. Weight Watchers, Keto, Paleo, whatever it is you do. And uh, you, you, you begin this process and it's exciting. Maybe you decide to take control of your finances. You have a vision that you want the kids to go to college or whatever it is or retirement or whatever. And you decide, I'm going to make this decision. And it's exciting. And you get people on board and you post on Facebook. I, day one, right, uh, we have a, a, a friend of our church that uh, has now left, uh, Corey, who is running a mile a day for 365 days. If you follow him on Instagram, uh, it's really fun. And that's super inspiring and fun, right? So let's catch up with Nehemiah. They reply, let us start building. So they began this good work. Very next verse, but, <laughs> but. Uh, as Pee Wee Herman said, uh, everyone has a big butt, right, when it comes to their dreams. Uh, sorry, that I couldn't help it. I even practiced that line this week when I was preparing for the sermon, and it was still bad. Okay, but, but that's it. But when we step out in faith to accomplish the things God would have for us, we will almost always, I can pretty assuredly say always, encounter opposition. Our flesh, the enemy, culture, loved ones. 
We might even get um, uh, opposition from good things. Not just bad things, but opportunities. But they're a distraction from what God really has us do. You might get a promotion. Well, does that, now you're working 10 more hours a week. Does that, how's your family respond to that? Right? You see what I'm saying? But, but it happens every single time. And we have to be people following Jesus. And we're going to look at a couple uh, verses at the end that expect this. Because if not, you're going to be discouraged. And your heavenly father says, do not be discouraged. Press on, press on, press on. The vision he has given you is a good vision. And you can accomplish it. And it will take those around you. But when Sanballat, or Sanballat, I don't know how it's pronounced. We need a doctor to tell me. When Sanballat the Horonite unfortunate, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab, which just sounds racist to me, heard about it. They mocked and ridiculed us. They mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you're doing, they asked. This this will look so familiar if you've ever stepped out in faith to try to do something. Again, maybe it's taking your faith seriously for the first time, and your friends are like, what is this? you're doing. What, what is this? Are you going all Christian? Are you a Jesus freak? Right? What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Ooh, that, that's scary, right? And then this is so awesome. Nehemiah was almost, you could almost sense that he was prepared for this. And you should be prepared for opposition. There will be people going against your marriage, against your, uh, the decisions that you're making. I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. His eyes is always on his heavenly father. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. In a little bit, I'm going to give you a phrase that you can say as you come up with opposition. It's really cool. It's just a verse in the Bible, and it's really, really cool. And so this is what happens, and they start building. And if you get a chance this week, I really encourage you to read Nehemiah chapter 3. I just, um, I just kind of put it down. It just describes the process. And um, I just have some of my favorite verses from chapter 3 that uh, I think are really cool. Just me personally. Um, uh, this one is cool. Uh, the next section. So Nehemiah goes through the different sections and he names the people. 43 different people are named in the Bible for doing nothing else but their job. But nothing else but just being a part of this vision. I just like this verse. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors, right? Rich people. I just like it because it just kind of, get out of here. Okay, anyway, I like that one. This, I like this one. Uh, uh, Shalom, son of Holohesh, Halohesh. Again, how about just Joe? Why can't we just call the guy Joe? Ruler of Ahasuerus district of Jerusalem repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. I just love this. Having raised two, um, I can't think of an appropriate word, very strong uh, women, uh, I, I just like this. It's really cool. I, I can picture those daughters because I can picture my daughters, and they were probably doing handstands on the walls while they were moving all the rocks. I just like that. 
Um, I like this. Uh, the repairs next to him were made by the priests in the surrounding region. I always appreciate clergy that are willing to work hard and get their hands dirty. I, I like that. Um, and then this one is uh, the very epitome of your circle of influence. Above the horse gate, there's all these different gates. The priests made repairs each in front of his own house. They handled their own stuff, right? They weren't. The priests weren't just going around observing everybody working. They were working, and they handled what was in front of their own house. And when you look through all of Nehemiah 3, it was everybody handling their own slice of the pie. They did not waste their time thinking about other people, thinking about other things that are going on. They didn't do any of that. And so in chapter 3, 43 people or groups of people were mentioned by name in this project. It was really cool. So now we get to Nehemiah uh, chapter 4. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. How, how awesome would that have been to be a part of that? For the people worked with all their heart because they saw the vision that God had had for them. They knew the vision of he will be our God and we will be his people and we need a place of safety to worship. We need a place to be a community again. And so they rebuilt it. I, him, uh, as I mentioned last week, I remember when we started building, uh, remodeling our campus. And uh, many of you were here during that time. And many of you gave sacrificially to that campaign. I had never done a capital campaign. I don't like asking people for money. I don't l like any of that stuff. And God had put this vision in my heart, as I had mentioned last week, and it was not going away. It, it, the vision was just basically the outside of the campus needs to look as healthy as the people who are inside. And so I wanted people to drive by this campus and go, that looks like a really cool church with really cool people in it because it is a really cool church with really cool people in it. And I wanted to reflect that. And I just remember what it was like to just have those dinners. Do you remember any of you who were here during that time? Remember we had these dinners and I had to get up and ask for money, beg <laughs> for money. I hated it. I hated it. But we did it. And you guys worked with all your heart to make sure that this campus would be beautiful. Now when, I, when people come on campus, I just love hearing it. Not because I'm the pastor, maybe because I'm the pastor, but I just love them to say, oh, this is so nice. It's like, well, you should come inside and see the people who are in there. So they did it half, half the height. Now, the problem is that Sanballat guy. When he heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was in, greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria. So this is, it's now escalating, ramping up. And that, that will happen. That will happen as God gives you a vision. It doesn't just, it's not just a couple of questions and then it's over. It's, an, it's a relentless attack. That's how you know it's the Lord's vision for you. He writ, uh, in the presence of the army, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? I don't know who thought it was going to happen in a day, but can they bring the stones back to life from these heaps of rubble burned as they are? You might be in the middle of your vision right now. You might be in the middle of it and you're beginning to lose heart 
as the Jews began to lose heart as well. Because it's a grind. It's day after day after day. It's conversation after conversation after difficult conversation. And that's what happened. And then this guy, Tobiah, I don't know, have, have you ever been in school and you had a bully? And then that bully always has the little insecure guy next to him, the little, you know, who's, who's like super insecure, but the bully protects him. That's Tobiah the Ammonite, just so you're clear. Tobiah the Ammonite says this. He was at his side and said, what are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their walls of stone. <laughs> you know, and Sambalat's like, get out of here. I don't, I don't know. I, I read too much in the Bible. But this is what's going on. There's people, they're in direct conflict of the vision that God has. You might have people. It might be a, even someone as close as a son or daughter or a parent that is opposed to the vision that you are trying to carry out, that God has given you to carry out. And your heavenly father would say, keep on building. Keep on building. Listen to what they do. Verse 9. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard. I love this. They didn't just pray about it. They prayed and they posted. And this is often what needs to happen when we have the vision that God has for us. It takes prayer, but it takes tenacity. And it takes hard work. And it takes wisdom. And so you pray and you post a guard. Remember what I said earlier, a lot of your vision and my vision is accomplished not just by determination, but by the boundaries you set and by the systems you create. This is exactly what Nehemiah is doing. I prayed and I posted a guard. I prayed and I unplugged my internet. I prayed and I got an accountability partner. I prayed and I sat down with my wife and worked out our schedule. I prayed and I told my kids, you're not going to be involved in club soccer because it takes up the whole weekend. I prayed and I, you, you know what I'm saying? It's like you, you pray and then you set up your boundaries and your systems. I love, love, love that verse. He goes on, after I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. You think, wow, he's really, he's really strong. He's very courageous. No, no, watch this. Remember, uh, watch this, the second part of this verse. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. Do you know, when you step out in faith for a vision that God has for you, do you know that the very God of the universe is on your side? The God of the universe, he created everything. He's on your side. And so Nehemiah says, don't worry about them. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. You know, for those of you who are struggling in your marriage and maybe you're thinking about quit or maybe you're watching online or someone shared this with you, do you know that when you commit to your marriage and you say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand firm and I'm going to do this for the rest of my life, that the God of the universe is on your side? There's no question. There's no question. Do you know when you are trying to raise godly children, and they're acting the fool like little kids do and like big kids do, like everybody does, right? Do you know that the God of the universe is on your side as you try to parent them in a godly way? You try to lead them in the way that God would have you do? You're doing a good job. It's hard as heck to do it. 
but he's on your side. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. <laughs> I love it. And fight. Remember, we prayed and posted a guard. We remember the Lord and we fight. For some of you, the vision of maybe being sober, maybe that's tough for you at this point. Maybe the vision for you to be uh, honest in the workplace. Maybe for those of you who have a vision that you're not going to objectify the opposite sex, that you have set boundaries for yourself to protect yourself, right? Fight for that. For those of you who are married, fight for your marriage. For those of you who have kids, fight for your kids. For those of you who are single and you're saying, you know what, I want to get married or maybe I don't want to get married or whatever, in your singleness, fight. But remember the Lord because he is great and awesome. When our enemies heard uh, that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. Don't care about the person next to you. So then we, we go through chapter 5. Chapter 5, basically, Nehemiah just corrects a whole bunch of injustice, which oftentimes needs to take place in order for our visions to flourish. If there's an injustice, it needs to be uh, handle. What we, what we did, again, I, I only use our campus as an example just because it's like one of the biggest things I've ever had to try to accomplish in my life. So that's it. But one of the things we did when we uh, decided to, to uh, build our patio was to build into the patio charging stations for those who um, are experiencing homelessness that they have a place to charge their uh, devices. And I just want to mention this real quick because this comes up a lot when people ask me about what we do here, why we do that. Uh, they'll, they'll say, um, they saw someone, a homeless person with a cell phone. And here's what they say. If they have a, <laughs> if they have a cell phone, why should we give them money, right? Okay, so I'm just going to clear this up so that you have it and you can tell all your friends and neighbors. Their family gave them that cell phone. I can guarantee you. Because that's the only way they have to, to be in touch with them, okay? And so they might have uh, crossed some boundaries, and so they're not allowed back in their house, or they're not allowed back, but that's just the one thing that their family can provide for them. So I just wanted to just clear that up just to make sure. But, but part of the vision included a justice issue for us was that we wanted to make sure that those in our community who don't, do not have homes, we, the least we could do, we were doing. That's why we remodeled the shower. If you look at the pictures from last week, and I showed you that shower that was all nasty, it's all been redone. It's beautiful. So that they can take a shower. And so I just wanted to mention that because oftentimes, as you're doing your vision, you will come upon injustice or marginalized people or whatever, and it needs to be addressed. And that's what Nehemiah does. Um, later on, he pulls people's hair, which is really awesome. I didn't have to do any of that, um, but that would have been on. I want, no, I didn't want to. Okay, chapter six, watch this. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. And if you don't remember anything from my sermon, I want you to remember this next verse. As a matter of fact, we're going to say it together a whole bunch of times. Because you are going to have, I promise you, not only will you have opposition when you try to accomplish the vision that God has for you, 
but you will also be distracted for, like I said, good, good, good things. Uh, one of the things that would happen, uh, our, my daughters, as I had mentioned, they're, they're really great athletes, okay? And so uh, every year they'd make it to the all-star uh, soccer team, right? And um, we would have to make a decision. This was before I was a pastor. Um, they play on Sundays. And so we had to make a decision, like, could, could, because it's cool to be on the all-star team, right? I mean, that's, that's cool. You know, as a dad, you know, I don't know about women, but dudes are just like, yeah, that's why it's my daughter right there, right? Because we're, we're, we're ch children. But uh, the, the, we, we had that. So we had to make a decision from the beginning. They're, we're not, they're, not playing on, they're not playing on Sundays. But that was a good thing. It's not, your distractions don't always have to be bad. And here's what Nehemiah says. And you can just take this and take it with you this week. I am carrying on a great project and cannot come down. You can say this when you open your fridge. <laughs> if it's your health that you're working on in that vision, open it up. I am carrying on a great project and cannot come down. <laughs> right? It might be you're working on your relationship with your spouse. And you guys have kind of gone like this. And maybe one spouse maybe makes a little cutting comment. And you go, <sighs> I am carrying on a great project and cannot come down. You might be raising children and your child says something like, you never give me anything. Mm. And you say, I am carrying on a great project and cannot come down. So we're going to practice this, okay? So we're going to say it together. You ready? Here we go. I am carrying on a great project and cannot come down. Okay? Your finances. You're on Amazon, and it says, we pick these for you. You're like, ooh. What would you say? I'm carrying on a great project and cannot come down. You're dealing with your anger. God has said, you know what? We're going to address this now, and you're going to be done with your anger, and you're going to be a person that has self-control and patience and empathy, right? And then your boss says something, and you say in your mind, I am carrying on a great project and cannot come down. You're out with your friends. The conversation starts to get uh, a into a thing that would not be pleasing to your heavenly father and you're just about to partake in that conversation because man it's funny and man it's friendly and you say I am carrying on a great project and cannot come down this is the answer to so much of what God would have for your life. As I mentioned before, it is not determination that will have you achieve this vision for your life. It will be boundaries. It will be systems. And you will be confronted with so many things that might be good things, might be great things, but it doesn't match up with the vision that God has for your life. And you say, I am carrying on a great project. I cannot come down. I can't be sidetracked. I can't be swayed. You might be online and you see something online that offends you. Your pastor does a video shooting down a balloon. 
and you're like, pastor shouldn't do that, and you're typing away, and you're just about to click send, I'm carrying on a great project. I could not come down. Thank you for leaving me alone on that video. I appreciate that. But the balloon is gone. So uh, mission accomplished. <laughs> Joel. All right. He goes on. Why, why should I stop uh, while I leave it and go down to you? Why, why should I do that? And so he goes on. They're trying to frighten us thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and they will not be completed. And then he prays, Lord, strengthen my hands. I am doing a very important work and cannot calm down. God, would you give me help? As the worship band comes back up, I want to make sure we get something straight as we go into this week working on our vision. I hear people a lot of times say, God will never give you more than you can handle. Absolutely, he will give you more than you can handle. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. If your expectation is that God is not going to give you more than you can handle, get ready for a whole life of disappointment. God will never give you more than he can handle. Ever. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. First Peter says it this way. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. Expect it. There will be opposition. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. So that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. And you have accomplished the vision that God has for you. One last verse. I've told you these things, Jesus said, so that in me, you will have peace. In him, you will have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Right? We love the verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Remember the Lord. He's great and awesome. We're going to end with just a song and a time of uh, being able to contemplate. Maybe there's something that you have that's on your heart. We have uh, the altars open. And maybe you just, maybe you just, you're in the middle of your vision or you're just about to start. You say, you know what, today's the day. Today's the day I'm going to address this thing. And you just, you know that when you get home, it's going to start. And so you just want to come and pray and kneel down at the altar. I'm going to, after I, after I get down here, just kneel and pray, God, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. I have to be focused on this thing. Maybe you're going through something. Uh, we, had, we had mentioned in our communal prayer some of the uh, uh, prayer requests. And you want to hear someone pray over you. You want to hear the words of someone saying, Jesus, I pray for my brother or my sister this situation. And that's what, why we have people at the cross, to just pray for you. Uh, it's nothing, when you come forward to pray here or pray at the, at the cross, nobody thinks you're troubled and horrible. They're excited for you. You're getting prayer. You're getting prayer. And then 
For those of us who are filling out our connection cards or you're online or you use the app, we'd love to have you fill out those connection cards. That's how we keep track with everybody every week. And uh, if you give to Living Spring, first of all, thank you. We're just so thankful for your tithes and offerings. We think it's an essential part of you growing in Christ that you do sacrificial, consistent giving. You can do that online or there's a box in the back. Get your offering on your way out. Put that in there. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for uh, the fact that you not only give us these visions, but that you give us the ability to accomplish them. In Jesus' name, amen. If you, uh, if you can't remember, I'm carrying on a very important project and cannot come down. You can use a phrase that I've used ever since I was a little kid. Ain't nobody got time for that. That's one of my sayings in the neighborhood I grew up in. We said, well, ain't nobody got time for that, right? So you can use that one too. So let's practice that before we leave. Ain't nobody got time for that. There you go. Now, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go in His grace, in His strength, in His love, and in His joy. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a great week. We'll see you next time.